Hey, it's a cat. I don't get it. Listening to I Don't Get It. I'm Fonda. I am back with your, uh, you know, bi-weekly something like that podcast of uh, contemporary dance in Edmonton. And today I have a really special guest helping me to talk about the Mile Zero. <laughs> Not that special. <laughs> Come on now. I'm here with my good friend Omar Mualam. How are you doing, Omar? I'm so good. Thanks good. for having me here under this table. Anytime, man. Amongst these blankets. I hope you find it cozy. It's cold out there. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe to start off, can, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a, I'm a writer in Edmonton. I'm the writer in residence until the end of this year, so give or take like a week or so. Um, I, uh, I write for magazines. I, I, I know you through Avenue Magazine. We worked together there for a couple of years yes. uh, when I was an editor there and, and you a writer. Um, and so that's, that's basically what I do. Now I have edited stories about dance. I have written... <laughs> My t- stories. T- yes, your stories, <laughs> mostly. Um, I have I have written teeny little event listing blurbs about dance. Um, I have never been to a dance show. It's never happened. So when you say you've never been to a dance show, you're not saying that you've never seen dance before. I I have seen dance when it invades my personal space somehow. I'll be at an event and like, oh look, it's uh, you know someone from Brian Webb or Brian Webb himself doing something. Oh. Or I'm I'm at an event, uh, the Mayor's Evening of the Arts maybe, and it's like, oh well, look at those dancers there for, uh, <laughs> and they're gone. Um, that's that's sort of the the bulk of my my interpretive dance experience. And, and even just saying interpretive dance, I'm thinking, did I, is that the right thing to say? Should I say modern dance or contemporary dance? Or is it just dance? Or is the term dance patronizing? Is it just expression? Whoa, 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 now. <laughs> let's, let's just back up the train. <laughs> I'll address the interpretive dance um, thing, I guess, first. No one really in the dance world calls it interpretive dance. Interpretive dance, I think, was a joke that was made up by comedians. Um, what? Really? When when uh, <laughs> when they were they they stumbled in on a drama class that was you know interpreting the color purple through body movement, and I think that's how that it um, really. All uh, this time, it's just it's like a it's an artistic slur. Yeah, kind of. Oh my goodness. Yeah, actually, kind of. Oh so my goodness. Mo- and this then is you like can- <laughs> wow. This is like finding out that you can't say jip. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, all those years of abject oh my, racism. No, no, you can't say jip anymore, god. <laughs> um, okay, and then I guess, the di- so then you said modern dance and contemporary dance. Technically, modern dance was big during the modern art era, which is actually kind of what we're going to be um, talking about a little bit with Caged. If I actually know, I probably don't have my art history correct at all. But (laughs) everyone calls it contemporary dance now. That's what it is. Um, Contemporary movement. A lot of people call it movement arts. Um, Oh, they would, wouldn't they? Yes, they would. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about um, the recent presentation by Miles Zero Dance of Caged. Um, by Andrew Harwood. He's a Montreal-based um, movement and improv artist. And um, yeah, the, the overall uh, theme of the piece was exploring the music of John Cage. Now, um, 
Do you know anything about John Cage, Omar? Yeah, well, um, during the show, uh, after hearing a few interludes from uh, a disembodied voice, I said to you, who is that? And you said, <laughs> John Cage. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then a few seconds later, I realized, oh, not the Knight Rider guy. Not the, uh, <laughs> not, not Nick Cage. No, not that guy. That's not Nick Cage. That's, <laughs> this is John Cage. So, no, I had no idea who John Cage was until we got in your car after the show and you told me a little <laughs> bit about him. And then later I Wikipedia'd him. I love how you went into the show totally cold. That's... I completely cold. <laughs> yes. But that's great. That's great. We don't always get to be like that. Sometimes I wish I was like that newborn babe for, going into a dance show for the very first time. Yes, for the for for the listeners out there, my experience was being blindfolded, thrown in the trunk of your car, and then taken to the <laughs> Tim's Art Center for this show. <laughs> yes. Okay. So for everyone who, who may not know, John Cage was a composer um, in the 50s and 60s in New York, and he worked a lot with prepared piano, uh, which we actually saw in the Cage performance. So the piano was altered in the guts. Uh, there were some screws driven between mm -hmm. strings, some erasers. erasers. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And and those those little uh, bookmarks that, that, you know, college kids use for their textbooks. Yeah. So when the compositions were played uh, live by the pianist, the piano actually made some really funky, clunky, mm -hmm. weird sounds um, and made for a really interesting sound composition to score the... Uh, the movement. Yeah, that was really cool. I like the clunkiness of it. Yeah, yeah. I found it really jarring at first. I kind of, I actually didn't really like the first few notes. I thought, oh God, is this really what it is? Because it was just sounded like mm -hmm. a kid like clanging on a piano, <laughs> sort of. I like carelessly. that. I, I, I like some abrasive music, like some abrasive rap or abrasive dance. So I was able to climatize to that pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, well, and once you kind of like, you realize that there were certain parts of the piano that are certain parts, certain notes, sections of notes that were actually altered all in the same way. So when when the compositions were played, which were all from John Cage's sonatas and interludes, um, they actually did create this really interesting melody that I'd, I'd honestly have never heard anything like it. Now, John Cage didn't alter his piano that way when he played his compositions. Yes, he did. He did. He yes, did. he did. Okay. Um, actually, the compositions come with very precise instructions on how to alter the piano. Oh, really? So yeah. it's, like a, it's like a recipe. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. So John Cage um, also worked um, extensively with silence. Um, he's really famous for this composition called 433, which is what he was being interviewed about in the sound yes. clips. And 433 was this sort of inflammatory composition that he came out with. It was basically four minutes and 33 seconds of silence, wherein a pianist would open and close a piano three times. And the idea was that the music or the sound composition was actually the sounds of the people in the room mm -hmm. and the breathing and so not silence not no not exactly silence and um, it had to be four minutes and 33 seconds long yes that was how he actually that that was the most important thing was the timing because he timed it in three movements and and he says in the interview that he lost friends over this yes it was it, people were infuriated is he sure that he didn't lose friends because he's a, an utter control freak <laughs> is that maybe why he lost his friends i don't know i don't know that i would call it a control freak because he was interested in seeing what happened by chance 
in the sounds in the room mm. and in the people. And I think that that was also, um, that really played into his relationship. He was a par- partners for 50 years with Merce Cunningham, one of the sort of seminal figures of modern and contemporary dance. And they would work together. So they would work together and their Merce's choreography and Cage's music would come together in performance. They didn't really rehearse together or plan anything together. It would just sort of, they would ha- have a plan each to themselves and then it would happen on stage. So had you seen his anything dance to his work before or one of his one of his pieces before? One of Andrew Harwood's pieces? Well, I guess because John Cage worked with modern dancers, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. it was probably rare just to hear his music by itself. You probably heard mm-hmm. it with Actually, with, I, with dancers. I think that the heyday of when people used Cage's music kind of has come and gone. I haven't really heard a lot about him for a long time, other than in reference to when someone is talking about um, Merce Cunningham. So I haven't had a lot of experience um, hearing it or knowing anything about it. So this piece was kind of, you know, it was interesting in that this the sound was all totally a surprise. Mm. And also, so was the movement. I knew that going in, the the dance would be uh, largely improvised. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have their sort of like pieces to hit. But initially, actually, Harwood um, created this piece as a solo for himself. So working with Jerry uh, Marita and Lynn Snelling from Mile Zero, this was something that he was kind of doing as an experiment as well. And also, of course, they had the live pianist. Mm -hmm. Um, Her name is Barbara Lurance, I believe. Um, And she actually, she was fantastic, I thought. Yeah, she was. So um, what what did you think of the the dance, of the movement? My first dance show? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I liked it. For the most part, I liked it. Um, I am, I mean, I, I had to sort of, cope with its um, abstraction in in the way that I and that I do I mean I I had to try to project a narrative onto it just so that I can um, so that I can enjoy it in the way that I enjoy art which is as a, as a story medium um, so I mean there were there were things that I, I probably uh, made up well, that's <laughs> in okay. my head in order to in order to cope with the story mm-hmm. um, but things like you know I, I the, so the, the, there's a cage setting. Um, it is uh, bamboo poles kind of strung from the uh, strung from the the ceiling, and then they're they're not quite hitting the floor, but they are sort of in this um, in in this uh, they sort of frame a, a cage around the the dancers, and because they were natural, and there's all the other materials within that cage are are natural. I thought, okay, so they're it was they're, all bamboo twigs, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. To- yeah, you know, it's all all wood and, and twigs, and I thought, okay, so these these uh, dancers, actors, they're they're in a cage, they're trapped inside something. It's something natural, though, so it's it's not an artificial uh, confinement. It's something uh, some sort of force of nature. Um, but they're able to get out of the cage. So what does that mean? They're able to get out of the cage quite often, but they just as quickly get back in. So I, I just created this narrative of some people who were putting themselves in this in this cage because that is where they prefer to be. And they all sort of had different styles, like Andrew um, Harwood. Mm-hmm. His uh, he was pretty fascinating to watch because it really looked like he didn't have control over his body, the movement, the the speed of the of his 
uh, flailing his, <laughs> you know, his, his kicking his gestures, um, all of that. It just seemed almost possessed in a way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was really spontaneous. He was extremely yeah. spontaneous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was there. There were moments where I thought only an epileptic could actually move like that. <laughs> um, Lynn Snelling, on the other hand, was. Uh, quite quite graceful and and for me i interpreted that as someone who had been in some sort of civilized society for quite long and is new to this confinement new to this cage mm-hmm. um yeah so that <laughs> that was that was the story that i made up now it, it was a little bit long for me um it was uh, about an hour and a half it was about I 90 think. minutes yeah. is that normal <laughs> um well i think that i agree with you on the length i do think i yeah i really think that um I could have I could have taken it in and like been like okay that's great in about forty five minutes yeah for the, for the yeah. idea and for I think that um, the amount of kind of like diversity and changes that I saw even with them working the different parts of the set and all the sounds even that with did, this even mm-hmm. with the interludes like forty five mm-hmm. minutes would have been good that's like a that's like a, a episode of Hell's Kitchen for me that's perfect yeah <laughs> yeah you know? I think that it was ninety minutes because it used the entirety of the sonatas and interludes um, was that a good idea though because I I actually now, I knew nothing about John Cage, and to be honest with you, I, I I still didn't care that much at the end of it. I was way more interested in the movements. I was way more interested in watching these dancers move and gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interludes were quite long. They were quite long, and I get it because you know the four thirty three, the the long mm-hmm. silences, and um, but this wasn't silence. This was mm-hmm. us listening to a disembodied voice. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I just, I, I, I thought those went on. Yeah. So the whole piece was actually interspersed, uh, the, the music that was being played was interspersed with clips of an interview that John Cage gave at Vassar College, I believe. Um, and it's, uh, long after his career is kind of like blossomed and, um, obviously he's giving, um, some kind of, uh interview to students that are interested because right. there was applause. This is, I mean, for me, this is kind of inside baseball. Would it, be, would it be right for me to say that this is like, this is a modern dance lover's modern dance? Uh, you could say that. Um, I don't know. I don't know that it was um, my favorite thing that I've ever seen. I think that I thought I really appreciated the experiment that they were doing. Right, but what I, what I mean by that is like the the interviews, the uh, self referential stuff with with John Cage. This is all for people who have a uh, who have an understanding going in of the art form, this man, the 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 history behind it, all these unsaid, all these unspoken truths about this piece of work. You know, whereas you know a, a a piece of theater, a play is yeah, it's catering to the theater lovers, but it's also catering to the people who who never go to theater, the people who just love to watch wonderful art, who mm. love a wonderful story. And I felt like the interludes part of this was catering to only the people who loved modern art. Yeah, well, I think in some or way, modern dance, I think sorry. in some way, I don't, I'm not sure that the interview clips were chosen very well. Interesting, but. I think that to be honest um, with you, I, I absorbed mm, none of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that they were chosen with a purpose to actually maybe educate and actually uh-huh. and and say this is who John Cage was. This is why we're so fascinated with his music and this type of art that he's creating. I don't think yeah the the interview pieces that did play weren't the best in actually illustrating mm. who he was and his actual role in music history. <laughs> and they were long. 
Yes, and they were long. <laughs> they were a little bit long, and they weren't. I mean, the the show ended on one, and I thought that was kind of. It, it ended on a really, really weird note that yeah. just didn't just kind of ended. It was him t- saying the title of a book. I don't remember what book it was. Maybe that was more important. But <laughs> <laughs> you didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write it down. So yeah. I think that, yeah, in that sense, I don't think that the interview clips really did what they were meant to do. Now, Fonda, how much of this was, was improvised? Like, how much of this dance is choreographed? How much of it is improvised? Well, a piece like this, um, usually dancer, uh, like a choreographer, will go in because the music is kind of is set out. The John Cage's sonatas and interludes is a piece of music that he's dealing with. Usually, a choreographer will make marks to hit within the the movements mm-hmm. of the piece. So he'd probably go in with Jerry and Lynn and say, okay, when this music is playing, we're all going to gather here in the, with the vase of all of the twigs, and mm-hmm. we're going to play with the twigs for a while. And you do it until this bit of music ends. This, do you, like, I, I don't know. You've, you've spent more time with these dancers. Is that actually what's going through their minds? Like, we're just going to play with these twigs for a little bit. No, I don't think, no. What, what are they, like, <laughs> what, what are, like, it's... Again, this is me trying to project story onto, right. onto modern dance, but what what are they thinking? What are they saying to me? I don't know, to be <laughs> honest. I haven't done a lot of, I mean, I haven't done a lot of improvisational movement myself. I have done some. Um, I did a, some improv physical theater, that kind of stuff. But I think mostly what a dancer is doing when they are improvising is that you know, they're either in a creation mode where they're rehearsing and they're improvising to see what mm. sort of movement happens when they work together, or if they're in performance mode, like what we saw, then they are actually trying to create some maybe character with mm-hmm. um, another. I really couldn't say. I think that's more of a question for the dancers. <laughs> but as, <laughs> an audi- the dancers. as an audience <laughs> member, though, I mean... Sometimes I'll, you know, watch. Like I think that what was what one of the most um, interesting uh, pieces of this work was when uh, Andrew Harwood came out. He kind of stepped outside of the bamboo cage and he actually moved all of the bars because the bars were suspended mm-hmm. vertically. So yes. he actually touched all of the bars in the first row, and they did this kind of marvelous thing where they all kind of swung in and out and just magically intertwined in pairs and then they started making noise because they were banging mm-hmm. together and that in an as an improvised moment to know that you know like maybe that happens one out of ten times right. that he actually performs this um, where it works and I don't even know if that's really the intention but I thought well that was actually pretty but cool. it works and yeah. I, I think the 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 magic of moments of that like that is not to overthink and not to think oh was that supposed to happen how long did he rehearse that for no yeah like just what does to, it represent when uh, they twine <laughs> together oh my god to appreciate <laughs> that little that little moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I mean you can kind of I think I've gotten to a point sometimes where I know that if there's no story I don't I don't freak out about it as much <laughs> <laughs> I freaked out I was, wanted to call my mom and no uh after i got home my wife janae asked me so like how how was the show and i said to her you know it's everything that everyone fears in modern dance Mm -hmm. like everyone that everything that that a uh that a amateur um or a rookie or dilettante uh like myself um 
fears when they go into one of these shows thinking, am I not going to get it? Am I not going to get it? Mm. This is exactly the kind of show that like hits you in the face and goes, oh my God, I'm not getting and this. And now you're in a claustrophobic little blanket <laughs> fort trying to talk about how yeah. you... <laughs> but, no, is that, but is that so bad? Is that, is it, you know, like, is it the no, end of the world if you don't, no. if you don't know the story? No, because yeah, I mean the, uh, of course not, but um I mean, so, some people want to go into art walking away, like feeling that they've they've totally understood it and it really impacted them and they really, really felt it. And for me, it was just like I I enjoyed what I saw, didn't didn't wasn't a profound experience, um, you know, wasn't unforgettable in any way. But um, but I, I, I enjoyed what I saw, but uh, it wasn't. <laughs> this is like know. super special. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it didn't move me. And sometimes, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go into, I'm going to go to a, my first dance show, my first modern dance show, and it's going to move me and open my eyes somehow. And, it, you know, it, did, it didn't really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of have to say the, a little bit of on, I'm on the same level there. It's, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the most sort of like emotional or spiritual or any kind of like experience, that, but I did just sort of, all I could really think of was this sort of like experiment that they were doing and the mm -hmm. sort of artistic milieu that they were commenting on. Um, this whole era with John Cage and Merce Cunningham who worked a lot with stillness, stillness, silence, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then they had, they're also with their friend Robert Rauschenbach, I think is his name. He was the one who did the white canvases. So they're doing all this art that's basically like projecting chants and the, you know, the, right. the movements of like the bars and stuff, that actual random chants happening of the sound of them clinking together. That's all what they're trying to create. See, had I known all that, I would have appreciated it so much more. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like this is this is sort of a, a modern dance, lovers modern dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can, and I can uh, you know, I can enjoy abstract, uh, abstract art that I'm unfamiliar with, you know. Um, but uh, it's it's not something that I'm that I'm quite comfortable seeing often. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, if, if every movie was, was Space Odyssey, Odyssey 2001, <laughs> I wouldn't watch movies anymore. And I think if every every stage experience I, I saw was like this one, I probably would stay the hell out of theaters. True but I can, enjoy it, I can enjoy it as I did yeah. once every, you know, every once in a while. Well, and you shouldn't have to research before you go in well, to see Well, I don't think you should. You know? I don't think you should. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I... I, I get that it's a, an enhanced experience for the people who who are on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's like me when I go to see a rap show. I don't know yes, anything about right. rap. I'll be like, is this good? Omar, Omar. Wanda, put your good? hands down. Wanda, hands down. Not till he says put them in the air. Oh, oh, sh damn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so um, I guess overall, Omar, do you think you would go see another dance show? Yeah, I would in about three months. Okay. Give it, yeah, give it I mean, time. that's not long. That's no. not long. Um, Th yeah, just, I, that's I just in time would. for the Expanse Festival. I certainly would, and I, that's true. And and I would probably do a little bit more research before going in, just in case, just in case I get like another <laughs> inside baseball modern dance show. <laughs> yeah, it did have a little bit of sort of an insular topic, and yeah, I will I will definitely admit that. So yeah, overall, I guess you know, did you get it? I thought I got it. 
And then I learned that I certainly did not get it. <laughs> I think you got it. You had your own story going on there about the nature. Yeah, the they were like feral dancers. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Omar. Well, thank um, you for having that's me. That's my second editor that I've had on the show now. <laughs> I'll get them all eventually. Just ingratiate, ingratiating yourself with all the editors. All the Bring editors. Them to your little fort. Everyone I've ever written about dance before, I'm going to get you on this show and I'm going to get you to talk about dance. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, We'll be back in the new year. Paul will be back from holiday. And then we're probably going to go see some uh, dance in January. So, yeah. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The I Don't Get It podcast is recorded under a table in a blanket fort in an apartment in Edmonton, Alberta. It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com.